0: Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Nicole so beautifully introduced us to discovering joy. And I think when we talk about joy, so many of us think about this concept of happiness, And to some degree, joy is kind of embodied in that concept of happiness. It is, in many ways, an emotional experience. It is a felt and lived-in experience, joy. And we see that in so many pieces of scripture. We see that in our lives as individuals. This moment of happiness that elicits a sense of joy. Last week I had the wonderful opportunity to fly to New York and play a show with a friend and I just played guitar and sang behind him in this little club in New York, and it was so fun, and I went uh, to dinner with some friends afterward and just got to reconnect with them, and it was really special, and it was beautiful, and it was happy, and it filled me for a moment with joy, and I came back, and Jake and I went down to Miami and went to Art Basel, and it was beautiful, and it was a fun experience, and I, I think tonight as we talk about joy, not for a second should we discount the beauty of the moments of our lives that fill us with happiness. And the joy that is derived from that, that is a biblical concept that we would thrive in life and enjoy life. And in enjoying life, we would find joy in those happy moments. All throughout the Old Testament, we see these pictures in the book of Psalms. We see these songs that when there's a happy moment, there is joy that flows from that. In Psalm 30, you turn my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. There is a removing of wailing and it's turned into dancing. The morning ends and we're filled with joy. And in those good circumstances, there is joy. Psalm 126, our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. In First Chronicles, David has just been made king. All of these men have come around, and they've joined the army. There have been these conquests, and the situations, the scenario of the people of Israel is good, and in that goodness, they find joy. The men, David, and these soldiers who had surrounded him, they were there with David eating and drinking. For their families had supplied provisions for them. Also, their neighbors from as far away as Issachar, Zebulun, and Naphtali came bringing food on donkeys, camels, mules, and oxen. There were plentiful supplies of flour, fig cakes, raisin cakes, wine, olive oil, cattle, and sheep. And there was joy in Israel. And all throughout the Old Testament... We see these moments of goodness, these good times, these times of abundance, and in those, there is joy. But also in the Old Testament, we see this ebb and flow of good times and bad times, of plenty and of lack. And at the same time, we see kind of this ebb and flow of joy and no joy. And the, the joy of the people was in so many ways attached to the circumstances they found themselves in. Solomon, who was the wisest man to have lived in the book of Ecclesiastes, kind of asks these questions, of these big questions about life. After experiencing so much of life, after finding wealth and having hundreds of lovers, he comes to this place of saying so much of it is meaningless, yet in the midst of it, he's asking questions about joy. And there's this big question he asked in Ecclesiastes chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 8. There's something else meaningless that occurs on earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve, and the wicked who get what The righteous deserve. This too, I say, is meaningless. That question that we still ask today, why do bad things happen to good people? So I commend the enjoyment of life because there's nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. And he kind of has in some ways this glimpse of an idea that joy can surpass and overcome and even persist in the midst of all the questions of life and in the difficult times of life. But what we see kind of in this Old Testament picture of joy is that joy derived from happiness or joy derived from happy circumstances is continually diminishing. But the fruit of the spirit that is joy is in abundant supply. And if our joy is derived from the circumstances of our lives, it immediately puts us on the defensive, always fighting to not lose. When we take a broader perspective of joy then I think we understand that the fruit of the Spirit that is joy is an abundant supply. And I think that when Jesus comes, that we'll look at in just a second, he begins shaping our understanding of how we are to access joy beyond the circumstances of life. When we were on Thursday talking about this message, uh, Ryan asked me, he said, hey, are you a joyful person? Would you consider yourself a joyful person? And I kind of paused for a minute, and I thought, hmm, I don't know, like, and my response to him was, I think I'm a joyful person when I'm aware that joy is available to me. So much of the joy in my life has to do with being aware that joy is available. Uh, A couple months ago, I taught a message, and in it, I came up with this wonderful mnemonic device. Uh, You may remember it as BRAR. Anybody remember BRAR? I was talking about the fruit of the Spirit, And this idea, same idea that the fruit of the Spirit is always available to us and it has so much to do with our awareness of its availability. Things like love and peace and patience and kindness. And the same thing is true with joy. Joy is always available to us no matter the circumstance. And this concept was that no matter the circumstance, whatever circumstance or situation we find ourselves in, The fruit of the Spirit is available to us. But we have to be aware of it by first pausing and not allowing the circumstance to overwhelm us. And we slow down, we take a breath, and we breathe, and we remember who God says we are. And then we reach out and we access the fruit of the Spirit that is so readily available to us. And then we reveal it into the world around us or even into our own lives and situations and scenarios. And as we talk about joy today, I want us to pause here and ask this question of what in our lives, what situations, what scenarios today do we need to slow down, take a breath, remember who God says we are, reach out and access joy and bring it into our lives. So as we start, I just want us to close our eyes and consider what does joy look like in your life right now? God, as we spend time together in this moment, in this room, on this night, I pray that you would reveal to us a deep measure of your joy, that you would awaken us and bring a new sense of awareness to the joy that is readily available to us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see this ebb and flow, this up and down of joy in the people of Israel in so many ways attached to their circumstances. When they were happy and when things were good, there was much joy. But as we know, in so many moments, they were oppressed, they were enslaved, and the joy seemed to go away. And when Jesus came, I think he brought with him a shift to a greater awareness of the availability of joy in every circumstance. Jesus brought with him a new awareness of our continual access to abundant joy. And I think this is an important distinction. Maybe many of us growing up or in so many of the messages that we've heard or even in the invitation to move into life with God through the person of Jesus have been promised this idea that your life will be great if you just say yes to believing the right things. That if you move into life with Jesus, that everything will be great. That your life will be joyful. And today I want to relieve us of the stress of that promise that has been put on us by humans or teachers or whatever it might be, and say to you tonight that Jesus is not a magic formula for happiness. In so many ways in my own life, Jesus has made it way more difficult and way more complicated For me to live in the ebb and flow of the world around me and for me to do what I want whenever I want to do it would be way easier. And when I've stepped into the moments where I have acknowledged the will of God in my life and the desires that God has for me, it makes life more complicated. Jesus is not a magic formula for happiness, but Jesus did bring with him a new awareness of our continual access to abundant joy. So just because you call yourself a quote-unquote Christian doesn't mean that joy is automatically a part of your life or my life. But as we grow more intimate with the person of Jesus and who he is, joy becomes a part of our mindset and our thinking. And awareness is such a huge part of this. So I'm going to get a little bit philosophical for a second about the concept of awareness. Any George Orwell 1984 fans out there? No. Zero? Anybody at least read the book? All right. One of the central tenets of the concept of 1984, which is where we get these terms like big brother, and it's kind of this authoritarian society where everybody is always being monitored by the government. But one of the big ideas in that is this concept that if you can control language, you can control thought. The main character, his name is Winston, he's having a conversation with another character who's trying to kind of uh, uh, get him on board with the beauty of what's called Newspeak. This attempt to change the English language and limit what people can think by eliminating words. And this guy in his conversation with Winston said, Newspeak is this wonderful, beautiful thing. Take the word good, for instance. If there's the word good, why would we need any other words other than good? All of these synonyms like wonderful and exciting. No, we just say it's good. We don't need all these other synonyms. And if, if you want something to be more than just good, you just say plus good. If you if it's, it's really amazing, you just say double plus good. And in the same way, we don't need synonyms. We actually don't need antonyms either because if we have the word good, why would we need the word bad? We just say ungood. Or I guess if it's really bad, double ungood. I don't know. And so there's this idea that the concept of what we uh, think on can shape the way we live our lives on a regular basis. And I was talking about this concept of awareness with a friend, and in that same way that if you remove thought, or if you remove words, You are no longer able to think about specific concepts. On the contrary, on the other side of that is this idea that there are realities that exist around us all the time that because we do not have words for them are elusive and are not things that we can fully grasp, but they're still just as true. Let's take the concept of peace, for instance. At one time, the word peace did not exist, But the concept of peace was just as real. Isn't that weird to think about? Like, at one time, peace was something that people could feel and experience, but we didn't have a word for it. But by naming it, we now can talk about it, and we can explore it, and we can understand it in a deeper way. And just by having the word for it, it allows us to access peace in a new way with a new reality. And all of this around this concept of awareness. And I think for me, I live so much of my life with joy at the periphery that I miss out on opportunities to embrace joy because I'm completely unaware that it is accessible to me. Because it's just not on my radar. It's just not at the tip of my mind. And this announcement of joy to the world When Jesus came, was an awakening to a new way of living. In John 17, Jesus is praying to the Father and he says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they, his disciples, may know, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. And there is this direct connection that Jesus is making between the words that he is praying and the measure of joy inside of his disciples. And when Jesus came, I think he shifted our mindset. He shifted our thinking. Jesus has shifted our minds away from the misery of slavery and awakened us to the identity of beloved. All throughout the Old Testament, there was this ebb and flow of joy As the ebb and flow of the circumstances of the life of the people in the Old Testament went up and down. And there was this identity of slave that robbed people of understanding that joy is accessible to them in all circumstances. Because they were defining themselves as slaves. Their minds, their awareness were wrapped around, their very identities were wrapped around the word slavery. And when Jesus comes, he rescues us from slavery and awakens us to a new identity of beloved. And if we understand our identity as beloved children of God, sons and daughters of the King, no matter what our circumstances are, we move into that possessing joy because we know who we are. So Jesus is not a magic formula just because we start believing something. On the contrary, Jesus has shifted our thinking. And if we align our minds with the mind of Christ, no matter our circumstance, we can walk into every scenario knowing who we are and possessing joy along the way. Colossians chapter 1, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. We live a life of joy because we no longer set our minds on the identity of slave. Rather, we take on the mind of Christ and know that we are the loved sons and daughters of God. And in the midst of any circumstance, we can acknowledge the joy of the fruit of the Spirit that is immediately available to us. Psalm 94, 19, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Even in moments of anxiety, we have the opportunity to possess joy. I've told this story a few times of sitting with my friend Landon and feeling really, really anxious about some things. And he said, one of the best ways to defeat anxiety is gratitude. Thankfulness replaces anxiety with joy. And no matter how anxious we feel because the circumstances of life, we have the opportunity to possess joy. In 2 Corinthians, we see joy in trial. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. They were poor, they were experiencing trial, yet they possessed overflowing joy because they took on the identity of child of God and left behind The identity of a slave to circumstance. And when we begin acknowledging who we are and we begin to understand that joy is always accessible to us, we are no longer shaped by our circumstance and our joy does not ebb and flow with whether or not our lives are happy. We possess something deeper We carry joy with us. We have access to it in every emotion and every circumstance. And we see this in the life of Jesus all throughout. Hebrews chapter 12, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, even in his darkest moment, even in his most painful moment, Jesus stepped into enduring the cross for the joy that was set before him. We can be happy or sad about circumstances. There's nothing wrong about being sad. There are moments that we should mourn, but when we see a bigger picture, our joy exceeds the way we feel. And I don't think that the opposite of joy is unhappiness. I don't think the opposite of joy is is sorrow. I think the opposite of joy is the misery of discontentment. Because, I don't know about you, but there have been moments in my life where I have been happy, and I've smiled, and it's been a good time, but I walk out the door and I'm not possessed by joy. And and joy is not about happiness or sadness. Joy is about the deep contentment of life. And I have been a person who is completely miserable in the midst of happy circumstances because I haven't carried with me a contentment, a divine contentment. And I really think in life we have three options for the state of our existence. Misery, numbness, or joy. No matter our circumstances, good or bad, I think we have those three options. Misery, numbness, or joy. We can be in a beautiful moment, or we can be in a really hard moment. And if we are not content in who we are and in what God is doing and that God is with us, we can be in a beautiful moment and be absolutely miserable. Missing out on the goodness of that moment. Or maybe for you, you've experienced so many difficult moments in life that you've chosen numbness. You're not truly, fully feeling anything, whether it's negative or positive. And there's this third piece, which is joy. It says, I'm a person of contentment, I am moving through life, alongside of God. He is with me, and I am with Him, and there is purpose in my life, and even when the circumstances are difficult, everything is going to be okay. I think that is joy. That we would move away from discontentment and move into a deep level of contentment, and I think that's when we will find joy. And I. I think there's an indicator for us tonight about where we stand in the midst of these three things, misery, numbness, or joy. And I think I say this from my experience. If our thoughts are arrested by our circumstances, it's likely we're not full of joy. There have been moments in my life where I have been completely arrested by the circumstances of my life. I can't go from one place to the next or one moment to the next without this looming cloud of circumstance. Whether I'm awake or whether I'm asleep, there have been months of my life where I have awakened before my alarm clock because I have been so anxious about the circumstances of my life. My circumstances have arrested my thoughts and I feel like I am a slave to them. And it has robbed me of living a life of contentment that overflows into a life of true joy. And unfortunately, I have zero solutions for you tonight if you feel like that's where you are. This is so complicated, and I wish that I could pray a prayer tonight that would free us from all of these circumstances and just push us into a life of contentment. I wish I could do that for us tonight, and I don't think that I can But if that's you tonight, if you feel like you are arrested by circumstance tonight, I just want to wish grace over you and pray grace over you. That where you are today is not where you'll always be. And the circumstances that are arresting you tonight are not the things that define your life forever. There is hope And God is with us, and God cares for you right where you are in the circumstances that seem arresting to you tonight. So I want us to reflect again on this idea. If we could all just close our eyes one more time and just ask the Lord, like, or maybe you already know, like maybe when I said that it was like, oh, yep, that's it. Are there circumstances in your life that are possessing you that you feel like you cannot be free from. In this moment, Lord, I ask that you would send your grace. Help us endure the process and Lord, bring us into a new level of contentment tonight that frees us from being arrested by our circumstances. God, free, free us, however, however that looks like, God. And, and even if tonight we walk out of here and we still have anxiety about the circumstances of our lives, God, first, I, I believe that you can free us from those things. So, God, I, I ask that you would do that if, if that's where we're headed tonight. God, I, I don't even know how to pray for that. But God, we trust you in it tonight. But Lord, I pray that you would do something to help us live in a new state of grace, to find contentment in our lives, not a passive contentment, but a place of hope that we're proactively engaged in the work of redemption and that you're refining us and that our lives are pointed in a direction tonight. I just pray the word carefree over us tonight, that we would be freed into caring about the things you care about, that we would rise above our circumstance, rise above our station, And focus on the availability of joy to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think there's this idea of circumstance and our joy ebbs and flows in circumstance. But maybe after some time in life, we begin to recognize we don't have a lot of control over the circumstances of our lives. Anybody realize that yet? like there's a lot of circumstances that we can't control. And when we realize that, I think some of us move into this place of saying, all right, I can't control my circumstances. And because of that, I'm not going to try to find joy or derive joy from my circumstances. So I'm just going to move into a life of hustling, because if I can just accomplish enough, then I'll find joy. And we move this, we move from trying to find our joy in circumstance, and we begin trying to find our joy in accomplishment. And let me just say this tonight, joy is not rooted in future accomplishment. Joy is present and available to us here and now. And if we are not people who are full of joy, and we move into a place of accomplishment, we're going to be... Really disappointed. If I could just get a little bit vulnerable tonight, I bought this brought brought this box of things. I'm just going to show you some of the things in it. 2017 has been kind of a big year when it comes to accomplishment for me personally. And uh, we produced this uh, event. I work with an organization called the Creative City Pro- Project. We produced this big event in downtown Orlando. We had 30,000 people this year and a thousand artists and. It was just this, this beautiful experience, and in addition to kind of accomplishing that stuff, there's been a lot of recognition that is, has come along with it, um, and I'm just gonna show you some of these things. This week, it was this, the uh, 40 Under 40 from the Orlando Business Journal, and uh, thank you, whoever that was, thank you. Uh, and uh, they, um, here, I, here I am on the centerfold, huh? Fully clothed, yeah. Um, here's an ad for internet. Um, this is the Orlando Weekly. Here this is uh, the October, one of the October issues of the Orlando Weekly, talking about some stuff. Um, here's, early in the year, Orlando's 50 Most Powerful People Award. Um, the Orlando Magazine, here I am with uh, with some other people, you know rubbing elbows. This is the uh, Pegasus magazine from UCF. uh, And they did a little write-up right up here in the alumni magazine. Here's this amazing like framed thing that they sent me, which was really nice. And uh, honestly, I feel like uh, I've had kind of an Ecclesiastes moment this year. You know, Solomon had accomplished this stuff, and granted, I haven't come into millions of dollars, and I certainly haven't gone out and found uh, several hundred lovers. That has not been the accomplishment of my year. But in so many ways, I resonate with this idea that I am so grateful for all of this. And I am so thankful to all of the people who gave time and attention to saying, hey, good job. And not for a second would I want to diminish that. I want to fully embrace the happiness of these moments. But if Cole is living a life that is not full of joy and he gets a bunch of accolades, all it is is a miserable guy with a bunch of accolades and that has been an Ecclesiastes moment for me this year because I have lived my life thinking if I could just accomplish enough then I would be happy if I could just have enough accolades then I would be living a life of joy and let me tell you tonight that if only blank is the biggest threat to joy If only I was recognized for this. If only I had this much money. If only they approved of me. If only they would accept me. If only I wasn't born into this life. If only they weren't my parents. All of us have some sort of excuse But none of those if only statements will ever make us people who are full of joy. A rich person who goes into owning a lot of stuff is just a miserable person who owns a lot of stuff. Somebody who is known for doing good things by a lot of people and is miserable is just a person who's miserable who a lot of people know his or her name none of our accomplishment will ever bring joy to us. If we are miserable people, it doesn't matter what circumstance or what accomplishment we experience. Miserable people with a lot of awards are still miserable people. Miserable people with a lot of money are still miserable people. We will never accomplish ourselves into joy because joy isn't found in doing something else. It's found right where you are. You will never arrive at joy. Joy is not a destination. Joy is a deep level of contentment that we carry with us everywhere we go no matter the circumstance. And we can embrace the happiness, we can embrace the joy that flows from the happiness of accomplishment. My my word of the year two years ago was beauty, and the reason I chose that word is because I wanted to stop living a life that said, oh, if my life is miserable, it's more pious. No, God wants us to enjoy life. God wants us to be grateful When good things happen, do all of those things. But you and I will never accomplish enough to be people who are full of joy because joy is not found in accomplishment. Joy is a gift from the Spirit that we must see and receive. There's this little phrase in Luke chapter 10. It says, at at that time, Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit. Even our Messiah did this brar thing, where he breathed and he remembered the truth of his identity, and he reached out to the Holy Spirit and accessed joy and revealed it into the world around him Whether he was a crying baby being born in a stable or whether he was moving into a city with people shouting good things and waving palm branches and putting them down so he didn't have to walk in the mud or just a short time later when he was hanging on a cross. Joy for Jesus was not attached to the up and down of notoriety or fame or good stuff in life. The joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And when he walked into that city and people were yelling, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, it was a moment of joy and happiness. And in all those moments of up and down and relationship with people and his disciples, joy was a consistent thread because joy for Jesus wasn't based on his circumstances. Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. And in Galatians chapter 5, we see this list of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And I think it's appropriate, and maybe I'm just reading into it. I don't know, but for me, this means a lot that joy is found between love and peace. In that scripture, in that passage, joy is found between love and peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. And I think living a life of contentment that results in overflowing and abundant joy has a lot to do with knowing that we're loved and a lot to do with taking a breath and slowing down and embracing peace. And when we slow down and we say, God, I know I'm loved by you. And I can just sit in peace right here with you, knowing that that, that's good. And I can be at peace with you and others and with my station in life and the things that I've accomplished already here and now today. I'm at peace with all that stuff. And I think it's from that place of knowing we're loved and being at peace, that joy begins to emerge. We're no longer controlled by our circumstances. We're walking with God, and he's filled us, and we're people who carry peace with us. Let's stand together. And I'm just going to pray over you joy tonight. God, I pray that tonight, as we've considered circumstances, that that you would continue to work in us to free us from being people who are arrested by circumstance, but rather rise above circumstance and become people who are content in all things. God, I pray that tonight we would um, know that we're loved, loved by you. God, if there are people in the room tonight who don't feel like they're loved well by other people, God, I pray that that's something that like First, I just acknowledge that is real. Like sometimes we're not loved well by other people, and I think that can really affect our joy. So, God, would you reveal to us and show us what it means for us to step into relationships of love? God, if we're not at peace tonight, would you bring us peace? And out of this place of love, and peace at the cross section of those two things, may joy emerge in us tonight. Even as we sing this song, God, I pray that we would sing it from a place of joy. Let's just open our hands in front of us for a few seconds in a posture of reception. Just put your hands there in front of you and open them up. God, we want to receive joy. God, write it on the inside of our eyelids so that every time we blink, we remember that joy is a real thing that's accessible to us.